0: There are very basic things listed to be in Nudity Riders, but at yeah. the same time, for years, it's not been known. Like, there's all it's not this. There. It's not been clear. Yeah. And so, our job is to really help create a department and make this whole conversation really clear and have clarity before we get to set.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Canadian Made. My name is Olivia, and on this podcast, Each week, we go behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry to learn the stories of the unsung heroes who help create Canadian content. So if you love Canadian content, if you are part of the industry or aspiring to be part of the industry, this is the podcast for you. The clip that you heard at the beginning of our show today was a snippet from my conversation with Lindsay Summers, who is an intimacy coordinator in Canada. She founded Intimacy Coordinators Canada, the first collective of certified Canadian intimacy coordinators. And she's done extensive work establishing onset protocols that have become industry standard in Canada. So she has way too many credits to name. So I'm just going to highlight a couple amazing ones that she has. She is going to be the intimacy coordinator on an upcoming feature starring Joaquin Phoenix called Disappointment Boulevard, as well as HBO's highly anticipated show The Last of Us, which is the largest production in Canadian history. So, of course, in this episode, we talk all about the role of an intimacy coordinator and how they get involved on productions. But we also talk about Lindsay's other company called Ready Set Medic, which is a medical consulting company. And what they do is they help productions choreograph medical sequences in film and television. So this episode is a lot of fun. Lindsay has some great behind-the-scenes stories. I can't wait for you to hear more from her and learn how you can use an intimacy coordinator on your production. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Lindsay. Okay, so I wanted to first start with what is the role of an intimacy coordinator on set for people who maybe don't know anything about what you do.
0: An intimacy coordinator is someone in the film and television industry who facilitates clear communication for scenes of nudity, simulated sex, hyperexposure, or intimacy We assist with choreography and facilitating clear communication between production and the performer prior to the shoot day.
1: So if you can sort of talk us through everything that you do from pre-production through to post, but we'll take it in turn. So getting into a production, so someone's asked you to come in, work on this TV show, film, whatever it may be, what's sort of your first step in getting involved?
0: It all starts with the script. We need to have a clear understanding what the director's vision is for the scene, what production has in mind, before we can begin speaking to the performers about what their boundaries are and how to incorporate that. So we start with what's on the page. And in the film and television industry, simulated sex scenes could be as simple in a script as... and. They had sex. What does that mean for you? What does that look like for you? Is there specific nudity? Are these performers removing their clothes on camera? What position do you picture them in? These things all need to be discussed and clarified before we get to set.
1: So you're having a conversation, I guess, then with the director?
0: Yes. So it all Exactly. Yeah. So it starts with the script and the director's vision And we have a meeting to discuss all the details around what's on the page.
1: After that point, the actors are cast and then you'll go to them and say, this is the director's vision. What do you feel comfortable with? Is that sort of it? I don't want to put words in your
0: mouth. (laughs) Yeah, I I encourage the director, if there's time, to speak to the, the performers directly. I find that that benefits in the way of developing trust and clarifying what their vision is and what their goals are for the scene. How is this propelling the story forward? What does this mean for the characters? These are questions that I hope the director and the performers can discuss before I am introduced to them. However, sometimes that doesn't happen, especially on episodic television, things move really quickly. We have directors rotating in and coming into the production just to direct the episode and, Even recently, I'm working with a team where the director couldn't find the time to have that conversation. So to ensure clear communication and that that we can have time to incorporate the performer's boundaries, I follow up with a discussion with the performers in prep. So long before we get to the shoot day, we have a discussion about this is the director's vision. How do you feel about that? and what works for you, what can make this most successful for you. So that is the conversation where I try to have a good understanding about what the performer's specific boundaries are. A very common one, let's say, is I am okay simulating sex. However, can you please make sure the camera is not directly behind me as I'm simulating this action? And have a bare buttocks on camera so my part of my job is to say yes I can help facilitate that for you and ensure that that specific angle isn't going to make it into this film or television show and
1: then as part of the pre-production process I as a (laughs) lawyer also get involved and um, we were reminiscing before we started recording (laughs) Um, about a project, well, a couple of projects that we've worked on together. And I mean, I obviously love working with intimacy coordinators because I find that there's a, a, a better level of clarity. And it's so important to me um, that the contract is super, super clear about what's being expected of the performer because not every single project has an intimacy coordinator. And but what we do have, what we have to have is a rider that you know clearly stipulates what's happening. So I also like to make sure that it's super, super clear for that performer that's receiving it, that they understand what's being asked of them. And then they have an opportunity to say, I'm not comfortable with what's being asked of me. And then we can change the rider or, or whatever. You were saying that you don't typically t- speak with lawyers drafting the nudity rider. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what that what that project looks like for you?
0: I mean, it depends on the studio and the project. I have spoken to specific studio legal teams (laughs) before, um, but working with you was a delightful experience (laughs) to know that this was going to be done properly. And I feel like I should add that to the people listening. As we are drafting these riders in prep and having these discussion with the performers, one of the key elements of having an intimacy coordinator on set is that consent is reversible even on the day.
1: I think it's a really good point too, because even if, you know, you're signing a contract, there's a clear consenting protocol to go through. But I think what often happens and one of the things I, that I think most commonly happens is that people just get there on the day and all of a sudden it's not the situation that they were imagining or maybe there's more people or it's you know early in production and they're not comfortable with everybody yet. There's a lot of factors <laughs> that happen separate and apart from you reading a contract and a script about what you think.
0: Exactly.
1: Consent is reversible.
0: So we can draft this writer, we can have these conversations, but if a performer arrives to set on the shoot day and something isn't as they expected or they're not feeling safe, to perform that day they have every right to say no they have every right to change their mind of what is in their nudity writer a simulated sex writer there are clauses in those writers f- in case this happens a very common one is employing a body double that they sometimes have approval of it is important that the production and the director are made aware that there are multiple ways that the story could be told and ideally, we can easily pivot on the shoot day and go in a different direction that works for everybody.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And the last thing that I want to say about the riders, if you don't have a lawyer drafting them, just make sure that they're super, super clear, because I get all the time people saying, okay, there's nudity. And I'm like, okay, so is it frontal? Is it uh, is it rear nudity? Is it upper? Is it lower? Like what's happening here? Be really specific. And then everybody's yeah. on the same page.
0: I agree. And one of the things that you and I got into a good rhythm on the production that we were working on together was also being clear about what's not expected.
1: Uh, this whole conversation happens and you arrive on set on the day. Do you have anything that you do with the actress before they go into it? I mean, obviously you're working with them to choreograph the scene, but actually on the day you have a, you know, routine.
0: So that's actually only when required. So choreography and even before we get to the shoot day, if we have a very complicated simulated sex scene, rehearsals are more and more common as of late within our process. I'm remembering a really fantastic simulated sex scene on Jupiter's Legacy Season 1 that was literally sex on the ceiling involving wires and stunt doubles and... We had quite a few rehearsals in order to execute that sequence. So rehearsing these scenes has been, is really beneficial for the shoot day because it reduces time blocking it out. Everyone knows what they're doing before we get to set. Um, but when we do arrive on set, yes, we check in with the performers as well. You know, We have multiple check-ins throughout our entire process to ensure they're still feeling as safe and confident as possible. To execute the work. And we have signals and language to navigate if something changes.
1: And do you have any conversations with the crew that are involved in that uh, scene about how they can help the actors or anything like that?
0: It's a great question. And absolutely, we have been incorporating, especially if it is an emotionally charged or really heightened sequence. We are incorporating a safety meeting, just as standard as if you would be having pyrotechnics on set or you're shooting near the open water. At the start of your day, the first AD announces, hi, everyone, we're here and we're shooting near open water today. So here's what to look out for. Um, I can remember a scene back in 2019 that was very emotionally charged and a a challenge to shoot and to ensure that no crew members were triggered themselves from the content to which we're shooting. We gave them a safety meeting before we got to set so that way they could opt out to not be there on that specific day if they chose not to be. We gave everyone a very clear, not everyone reads the script, not everyone gets the script that comes to set. So we wanted to make it very clear to everyone involved on that day that this is what is going to be happening. It has been choreographed, it has been rehearsed. Everyone is consenting to the work and trying to tell this specific story on that particular occasion, there was some language and some wording that the performers requested be removed from the set that day, some heightened trigger words that they didn't wanna hear in order to execute the sequence. And so we made that very clear to the crew and we asked them to be respectful of, please don't say this word or that word to our performers today. They need to keep in this headspace, and this is what they need for success. And so part of my job isn't just for the performers, but it's also for the production and to make sure that everyone on set is clear about what we're going to be doing.
1: So in terms of some behind the scenes um, (laughs) magic that you can make happen, I'm sure that there's, I've heard some amazing stories from actually intimacy coordinators about how they balance the director's creative vision with the performers, personal boundaries and movie magic. Do you have any fun stories like that where you kind of made something happen that, that was like an optical illusion of what was actually happening?
0: Simulating oral stimulation involves oftentimes more distance between the two performers than you would imagine, depending on the camera angle. If distance isn't an option, We implement barriers between the performers for desensitization and padding, and so there's space between them to simulate the sexual act. We do not actually perform sex acts on scripted film and television. So one of the optical illusions would be, depending on the camera angle, there is oftentimes more space between the performers than you realize.
1: Mm, that's re- that's really interesting. Can you talk a, a little bit about your philosophy and, and how Intimacy Coordinators Canada got started?
0: Sure. Intimacy Coordinators Canada is, is the company I founded, but I have a wonderful business partner, Casey Hudecky. I've been in the film and television industry for 20 years. <laughs> I started performing in the mid-90s, but a pivotal moment of my career was uh, after opening a company called Ready, Set, Medic, where I was working as a paramedic on set. In 2009, I was asked to be a medical consultant on a season one of Falling Skies, which was a TNT series, post-apocalyptic alien show. And so that was a pivotal moment of change in my career, where I started choreographing performers to execute medical sequences on screen, beautifully and as accurately as possible. I had done that for quite a few years before the Me Too movement happened in 2017. And having been in the industry for 10 plus years at that point, as an actor on camera and as a crew member off camera, the things I had witnessed that had disturbed me or didn't make sense to me, As a medical consultant or a performer, the Me Too movement really resonated with me personally. And so I became involved with a movement called After Me Too in 2017, where we hosted a series of roundtable discussions at the Globe and Mail. And there was a roundtable discussion of directors, actors, casting agents, producers. And we discussed sexual misconduct in the industry and One of the case study questions that I remember, specifically at the crew roundtable, had an AD, director, um, a couple of other crew members, was it was evident that when it came to nudity and simulated sex, everyone was passing the responsibility off to someone else. That they thought it was, that they believed it was somebody else's responsibility to communicate or to facilitate communication between the performers and the production There wasn't a path for clear communication when it came to these scenes. And it was at at that event in December 2017 where it resonated in my core that we needed to create a department and and someone responsible for this. It, It really sat with me that we needed to create a role to establish responsibility when it came to nudity and simulated sex in the industry. Within six months... I was hired by HBO and connected with Alicia Rodas, who was just beginning to work on The Deuce in 2018. And HBO and a production in Toronto, was looking for someone to fill the role on that specific production as what they were now calling an intimacy coordinator. They really created the name. They were the ones who created the name and the role. Alicia was doing excellent work and working with HBO and... Things were going well on the deuce. And so I began in July 2018 working for HBO as Canada's first ever intimacy coordinator. It took no time at all to see the value of what we were doing, to see the benefit of the day players coming in who would have to perform nude on their only day on set and who didn't have an advocate with them, who didn't have someone assisting them through the entire process. And now suddenly I was given permission to communicate before the shoot day what was expected, what the director had in mind, and to ensure that that worked for them. It was empowering to be able to facilitate clear communication between the production and the performers. And so that summer, I opened up Intimacy Coordinators Canada mainly because I wanted to stop working under the name Ready, Set, Medic. It wasn't, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't medical anymore. I was executing this new job on set and Intimacy Coordinators Canada, a name created by my phenomenal life partner, Matt Purdy. It, uh, it was created right around that time. So by the time I ended the HBO production in late 2018, I already had booked my next three shows, which were non-mandated, non-HBO shows, but shows and productions that were interested in hiring this role to ensure that their performers were safe throughout the process as well. HBO mandated intimacy coordination in October, 2018. They made an announcement to the media that they were supporting this role, that this was working for them and having had all these contacts from my previous 15 years on set as a medical consultant and paramedic. I was starting to schedule meetings within our industry in Toronto with producers and production managers and local teams who were interested in having this role be a part of their production as well, even though it was not mandated. They wanted to ensure the safety of their performers.
1: That's amazing. It's an incredible story because it, it, it just makes sense. You know, like it's one of those things that it's, it's so shocking that you started in 2018. Like
0: <laughs> why wasn't every, almost every performer I connect with, even as of last week, um, it, almost every single one says, I cannot believe this wasn't a thing before 2018, that this wasn't a role
1: Yeah. And I think about you on TV shows, too, and how meaningful that work is when the director has is, like you said, keeps changing. There's always you and you always are that that constant for people. And I think that that's so amazing. I I mean, one of the amazing parts of what you do.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. And I just having wrapped The Last of Us this past week in Calgary, that production ran for over a year. So for over a year, we had rotating directors coming in. But like you said, I was the constant with these performers. I was the constant with these performers. I was the one that they knew and they were counting on for if there was something in there in the next episode that involved any intimacy, nudity or simulated sex or a, a moment of heightened exposure, they could rely on the fact that I would be reaching out to them in prep. I will yeah. need it. Yeah. and and I flag when I read scripts. Um, I flag every bit of intimacy, physical connection, nudity, and simulated sex. There's a variety of intimacy to which we cover. If you can imagine a young performer who, even something as as what might people might feel as simple as a hug or a kiss from a parent to. Um, a child. However, depending on the set, depending on the schedule, those two people might have met that day. One might be a minor and one isn't. And so there we have familial intimacy between two people who, why wouldn't we also ensure that that is fully consensual based performance work and that that minor performer and their guardian are fully aware of the physicality that is going to be happening between these two performers on camera.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing to think also that like over, especially a long production period, that people will always have you to go to and you'll, you'll gain a sense of comfort with them. And so that they might feel more comfortable voicing any issues that they have. Whereas like if the director is switching from episode to episode, they might just feel like they don't have a voice or their, their voice won't be heard or that they can't speak up because they feel uncomfortable. So with that, I think it's also an added benefit of like, you just have a little bit more security that they're secure and that they feel comfortable because they have all these people who are advocating for them and watching out for them.
0: I hope so. I I hope that the performers we work with feel the safety of this role for them. We really have created a department in the film and television industry. Intimacy was not a department four years ago. Now I am having intimacy as a category added into our crew grids. And so anytime we are not present, intimacy coordinator Lindsay Summer is not required. People are seeing it as a standard as part of their production.
1: So uh, SEG just released a list of uh, intimacy coordinators that are approved by them for use. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Sure. Um, on top of intimacy coordinators, Canada being the only Canadian training programs certified or accredited by SAG-AFTRA. Casey Hudeki and I are two of the intimacy coordinators on the Canadians approved by SAG-AFTRA and so we are listed as of this week on an intimacy coordinator registry. SAG-AFTRA is trying to set the standards of who is out there working.
1: That's so exciting for you guys, and really good news for uh, you know producers looking for Canadians in Canada. And now they know where to turn.
0: It, absolutely, yeah <laughs> we we haven't had any issue. Yes, yes, getting the word. People know to come to the company, Intimacy Corniers Canada. But this definitely helps.
1: So Tamu, I want to ask you also about actress role in all of
0: this. So it depends on the performer. Some performers would like very minimal interaction. We check in with everybody um, and if something is important to their scene partner, we're going to relay that information, but it's very dependent on who we're dealing with. And some people are more hands-off and would like to handle it themselves. And we are more involved in, in other... It's all all a collaboration. It depends Mm -hmm. on who we're working with. I can remember, again, back on Jupiter's Legacy, Ian Quinlan and Elena Campouris played Chloe and Hutch. There was this hot, spicy relationship building through the season. And we had time to slow down on this show. And over the course of many months that it was filming, really work through and discuss how these two performers communicated sexually with each other and what that their character's sexuality looked like. And that was so much fun to be able to collaborate with these performers, but still allowing them to explore within their character what that might look like, but facilitating the
1: space to do so. And, and what kind of conversations do, like, what does that rehearsal process look like when you come together? Do, like, you obviously come with uh, some kind of proposal, but then is it very collaborative?
0: It is very collaborative, and it depends who we're working with to gauge how much assistance they want with choreography. Mm-hmm. And so when I reflect back on working with, just keeping in line with Elena and Ian, We sit down, we've done all the prep work, we've had our pre-discussions, everyone is clear about what the other person's boundaries are, so um, I communicate that before we get to the rehearsal space, so this person, please don't touch this person's neck, that's not going to be part of our choreography today, and this person, just as a note, please don't touch their buttocks, whatever their boundaries might be. And then we go through the dialogue. We go through the stage direction together. Sometimes scripts are very descriptive about exactly what they're looking for. I've read some recently that are so descriptive. There's no room for error or no room for miscommunication because the stage direction in these scripts is so clear about what the writers are looking for. And so when we get to a rehearsal space, I try to let the performers guide me to what they need for success. It doesn't always mean I'm going to jump in and choreograph something. I need to assess how these two performers or three performers or four performers um, want to work together for the scene.
1: That's Yeah, that's really interesting. So on, you know, not every production has a massive budget. Not every production can, you know, have a full crew and they might not be able to hire you. Do you have any tips for those really, really small budget productions to stay always above board and make sure that everybody is staying like safe and comfortable at all times.
0: I work on a variety of productions from short films where I negotiate whatever rate I work with, but I work on a variety of different productions from short <clears> films <throat> to big feature films and, and television, um, including multiple short films this year. But the best guidance I could say is, A, reach out to your local intimacy coordinators because they they may be able to help you further than you know. But ACTRA has released a best practices document that I assisted with back in 2020. So ACTRA Toronto released one in March 2020 and ACTRA National released one in July 2020. And these best practices documents have checklists. They have performer checklists and checklists for production. It's a really helpful document to help guide those who may not be interested in bringing an intimacy coordinator on board. It's a helpful guide on how to shoot these scenes most successfully for your
1: performers. I love that. I love that you work on everything. I wasn't sure. I did not want to make any assumptions, but it's amazing that you do. Oh
0: yeah. It's relevant when it comes to the close-up protocols, which we assisted or I assisted writing back in 2018, specific to the Canadian film and television industry are definitely being used by productions that we're not participating on. But in a way, it is a gift to the industry because we had safety protocols for When there's pyrotechnics on set, when we have fire on set, or when we're working by open water, if there's a high fall and the stunts performers are doing a big high fall, we have a safety memo attached to the call sheet about things to look out for. And so we created a closed set memo that is distributed and is being used, like I said, on productions that we are not involved in. But it's a gift to the industry because it will only better those scenes it'll be very clear to every crew member who's going to be on set that day what our expectations are of them because this industry is very large and we have had an influx of new people in the industry especially since the covid pandemic happened and we have a whole new department of covid coming in which has a bunch of people who have never been on film sets before so what does a closed set mean to them? It doesn't mean much unless we make it very clear. So the closed set memo that I created and that is being distributed around the industry is a memo to help make it very clear to the crew members that are on set that day what we need from them.
1: That's fantastic. And I like the emphasis of this type of work as being safety. Thank you. It it is about
0: safety for these performers.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I also wanted to ask you about if people have been listening and they think what you're, the work that you're doing is amazing, when do they hire you? Like what what it has to happen in the film? Is it any intimacy? Like what is the scenario in which they should come to you? Great question,
0: as soon as possible. <laughs> Bring us aboard as early as you would like and have us be a part of your team. We will look through your script or scripts and we will flag the intimacy. We'll have a meeting together to discuss what you feel we are needed for and where we feel we might be needed for. Um, Bring us aboard as early as possible to help mitigate and navigate any possible intimacy on your production.
1: Mm, that's amazing so okay just on a s- slightly separate note are you still doing your ready set medic work as much or is it intimacy coordinating like totally taken over it's it's a balance I will
0: pick <laughs> me- I will medical consult depending on the production so I've been on Murdoch since season one Murdoch Mysteries on CBC and we are just starting season 16. So if Murdoch Mysteries calls and needs any medical consulting, I absolutely would. And for the series finale of Suits a few years ago, I took a pause on intimacy coordinating to make sure that that specific production had a great medical scene on camera. It was a labor and delivery. And so, Oh yeah, I was
1: thinking, what's happening in Suits? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah in, the, in the series finale, somebody um, had a cesarean. And so I coordinated that. It depends on the production. I will happily assist certain productions in our industry. (laughs) Last season on Snowpiercer, so season three of Snowpiercer, not only was I the intimacy coordinator, but I was also the medical consultant. And some productions really like that, especially if we have a birthing scene or a labor and delivery scene. That's quite overlapping. Some productions appreciate my doing both and some productions very much want it to keep it separate, but Ready, Set, Medic is still alive and well. And I have um, a few wonderful people I've been working with since 2014, 2015 with Ready, Set, Medic, Um, some nurses, nurse practitioners and doctors and surgeons who are still, oh yeah, they are anytime I I get a script, I'll um, throw it their way and see if they'd like to handle it on their own.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I think it's so cool how entrepreneurial you've been within the industry as well, creating all these new, um, well, new and necessary, because I'm calling them new, but they're not really new. They're more just filling a gap in the market. And so, I mean, such an entrepreneur, I think it's so inspiring.
0: Thank you so much. I really love my jobs. I have always wanted to work in the film industry. I've always been drawn to the arts. I went to art school in grade seven and eight because I wanted to perform. And so I found a way to work and find two really special niches in the industry. And I get wonderful feedback that the way that I approach medicine and film and the way that I approach intimacy is unique. Some of my favorite memories on set are from medical consulting, like on Designated Survivor season one, as an example. The producers and the director and everyone really took my medical advice to heart and turned what the president being, I don't spoiler alert, <laughs> one's okay for, yeah. two, 2016, if you haven't watched it, that's your own thing. But the president gets shot in season one. And in the original script I got he was leaving the hospital, the same script. So he was being shot, having surgery, recuperating and leaving the hospital in the same one hour episode. And I just went to them. I said, that is a very quick recovery for a president (laughs) of the United States. And we ended up turning it into a three episode arc. And with the creator of the show, David, I assisted writing language, for the surgical scene that ended up in the show and um, really having a collaboration between the creators and writers and my as a medical consultant, it's very rewarding. So some of my best memories in the film industry are not necessarily from intimacy coordinating.
1: That is such a great story. It's there's nothing like feeling like he, your voice is so important. So that's a really special, special it, story. It is, and I'm
0: I'm excited to be working with Kiefer Sutherland again on a new series. But um, having, oh, the new
1: one that's in Toronto, that's filming in <laughs> Toronto. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but uh, yeah, working with him was it was a highlight of of my career, and I remember running a rehearsal, a medical rehearsal for when he is shot. And obviously we have a stand-in in in his position on the backboard as he's coming in. And I remember prepping the team and all the background performers and the actors that Kiefer was coming to approve our choreography and to approve the scene um, in our rehearsal days before we were shooting. And without my knowledge, he walked in on the rehearsal at a moment where I was, not happy with how things were going, and I asked everyone to stop and go back to the beginning because by the time he comes there, I want it to be perfect and you had said
1: that as yeah, he was <laughs> yeah,
0: I had no idea it was reminding me, and I was just like, we need to get this right. this isn't perfect, and i I don't expect perfection, but I hope for something very close, especially when it comes to safety of someone being on a backboard and doing lifts and movement and making sure everything is going right. And so I tell them to go back to the top, go, go to ones, go back to ones. And that's what we say in the film industry to go to the start position. And, um, we ran through it again and I was very happy. And I look over at the executive producer. I said, great. It's at a point where I'm really happy and I'd love to show Keith. He said, Oh, he already came in and he saw, he's very happy. (laughs) He was thrilled that, he saw that the person coordinating the scene was expecting close to perfection when it came to the choreography around the president being shot and his big entrance into the hospital.
1: And he was in, he tweeted about it, didn't he? Yes, he did tweet about it. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that is,
0: that's the work that I am referencing was those, couple of weeks on set when the president was shot in season one. That's what Kiefer tweeted about. Was That's awesome. Definitely. Yeah,
1: we're big Kiefer fans. So uh, it's, it's a very cool moment for sure. So I have to ask you before I let you go, a f- piece of Canadian content that you love, you want to recommend for other people to check out?
0: You know what? This, see, I just don't even know where to find this, but... One of my most memorable medical consulting series was a show called Remedy. And I participated in season two of Remedy. It was on Global TV. Greg Spottiswood was the showrunner. I loved that season of Canadian television. Canceled way too soon. So if if anyone can find season two of Remedy, that was some of the best medical consulting work I've done to date. I was very proud of it.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to do a deep dive on Google and see what I can come up with.
0: <laughs> well, that was a great question. Um, I think what you're doing is fantastic here with this podcast and highlighting wonderful people like Erica and Joanna and hearing their stories about behind the scenes work. It, it's uh, It's been a lot of fun to binge listen to your <laughs> podcast <laughs> and now to sit here with you today and participate. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. I really appreciate you saying that. And it's always so nice to hear. (laughs) And thank you for coming on to the show. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any requests of future episodes that we do, feel free to reach out on Instagram at Canadian Made Podcast. And until then, we'll see you next Wednesday.